Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Kevin Gerald. Kevin Gerald founded Champion Center, the largest non-denominational church in the Northwest, where he and his wife minister together today. He sits on the leadership boards of several other churches and frequently speaks at conferences. And now, Kevin Gerald will teach on how to believe for God's unbelievable favor in a new and recharged way. Let's dive into the message. Whoa, 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 whoa. I got to tell you this story I, I told first service, and I just think it's so, uh, I think it's, it's so typical or fun or says something about Americans. Um, John, who is looking after us, asked us if we'd like some drinks today, and we said, of course, and, and so he went to Starbucks, and there I go, being an American, um, he went to Starbucks for us, and he ordered some drinks. And after he ordered, the lady who worked at Starbucks looks at him and says to him, can I ask you a question? He's like, yeah, sure. She says, are you from America? And he says, well, no, not really, but, but why do you ask? And she's like, oh, man. Well, we're in a, we're in a contest, and I, I like we compete with one another. I think the way she said it. We compete with one another, and uh, we, we get to know where people are from by what they order. And he's like, so, so what do you mean? Like she says, well, you ordered three drinks and these two right here, these two. So he ordered one for himself and it's over here. These two sounded to me like American drinks. <laughs> and then he's like, well, you won't believe this, but I ordered them for two of my American friends. Is that not crazy? Like, so I'm not sure what all the nuances are or the differences, but you're stuck with this American for the next few minutes. And uh, we, may not, we may not say it just like you or do it just like you, but I am so glad to be in Canada. I love to come. So if you would today, I'm going to ask you to just say with me, my heart's open. Oh, come on, talk to me. My heart's open. My mind's ready. Make me better, God, by your word. I receive it. I believe it. I won't be the same again. In Jesus' name, shout a great big amen. Okay, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to read from verse 18. Luke 4, verse 18. Let me set it up for you a little bit. Um, Jesus went to church. Yeah, that's pretty amazing, isn't it? Jesus went to church, uh, and it, he's at church, and he's reading out of the scripture. That was sort of their custom, and the way they did church is that different ones could go up and, and read a text, and so he's in the synagogue, and he, is, he opens up the scrolls, and he reads uh, out of the prophet Isaiah's writings, but here's what you got to know. The writings were about him, so he actually took an old prophecy from the Old Testament and this is kind of the way he introduced his own mission 
to those that were there on that day. So he read from his own mission statement, Luke 4, 18. Here's what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, and he lists several things there, but he wraps it up and summarizes it with the last phrase. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The Spirit of the Lord is on me to proclaim the year of the Lord's, everybody say the year, the year. of the Lord's, of the Lord's favor. favor. Okay, every 50 years in Israel uh, at that time uh, on the Jewish calendar was known as the year of Jubilee. And in Bible times, people who could not pay their bills would work for those to whom they owed money. Sometimes the debt would be not to a person, but would be to the government. And so if you owed back taxes, for example, they would put you in what they called debtor's prison, okay? And, and so uh, people would, would deal with debt differently in that era and in that time than we deal with it right now. And it was so really harsh and seemed inhumane uh, in a lot of ways, because if you had a debt, um, some member of your family, it could be your son, your daughter, would be taken away uh, by those to whom you owed money, and they would become slaves until the debt was worked off. Or you would go to prison, and you would work, uh, you know, you'd be in prison and work for the government until the debt was paid off. But in the year of Jubilee, so every 50 years, debts got canceled. And all prisoners and all slaves would get set free. Land that was lost in tough economic times would be returned to the original owner. So you can see why that people in that, in that day would look forward to and would get excited about what they called the year of Jubilee. So when Jesus is talking here about his mission statement, he's actually giving them a word picture in what he calls the year of the Lord's favor. He's connecting for them something that God sent him to proclaim that has a great deal of similarity to what they knew as the year of Jubilee. But when Jesus made this proclamation, he wasn't really referring to a particular calendar year as we know it, okay? He, he wasn't talking about a 12-month period or 52-week year, and neither was he referring exactly to what they knew as the year of Jubilee. But he was, he was giving them something that was a point of reference to declare and to proclaim a new season, a new era in time, a new chapter in God's great story of grace. He was letting them know, I came to proclaim this new era of time where man would receive God's unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor over-the-top favor, crazy favor. 
like extravagant, unimaginable, unreasonable, irrational favor. And Jesus is saying, I came to proclaim that year of the Lord's favor, okay? So, yeah, you, you clap in a minute, all right? So, so I'm gonna ask the front row to help me because this is how I, and you guys are like, oh, you're freaking out right now. And I saw you as a visitor. I'm really sorry to do this to you, but you're riding first class today. So uh, you're on the front row. And I'm gonna ask front row, please stand and take, take a couple steps like toward me if you would and wrap the stage on the end like if you would to represent the people out here and just kind of put a little space between you and the other person. Okay, so... In Old Testament times, here's what would happen. If you know anything about the Old Testament, you're gonna start knowing right away, yeah, it's really, really true. In Old Testament times, um, God had like this thing going on with his people. He loved his people. He cared about his people. He would bless his people. And so he would, he would make sure like to bless them uh, in the season of harvest. And he would, he would help that the crops would not, uh, you know, come too quickly and that the bugs wouldn't eat up the crops in the field. And, and he would help them to be strong and overcome uh, their enemy. And God's like this. He's like, I love you. I love you. You are very special. Okay, now you guys reach your hands out. Okay, reach your hands out toward me. He's like, we love God. We love you, Lord. They had this thing going on, right? And then what would happen in those good times when they're have, having good things is that they would get caught up in the good things and they would get distracted by the good things and they would start to think about how what they're experiencing co comes from their own hard work and, and all of that. And so, so you guys, if you would, just sort of start turning slowly to the right, 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 to the right. So God's here until you're facing the audience. Keep going to the right. And then you're facing and your back is toward me right now. And they would turn from the Lord. And God's like, well, what's up with, what, what is up with that? Like, you're forgetting about me. You're neglecting me. You're not honoring me. And so what would God do? God would just say, oh, yeah, you're on your own. And he would turn away from his people. And then what would happen is that the people would begin to, you know, suffer hardship and difficulty would increase in their life and their crops wouldn't do as well. And economically, they were going to hell in a handbasket. And, and when economics are down, that means you, you can't really build the walls up and protect yourself. And so your military is not strong anymore. So the enemy's coming in and the enemy is taking all their stuff and doing what the Bible calls spoiling all their goods and stealing from them. And they, they would be impoverished and so forth. And God's like this. Remember, God's like this, okay? And, and then a prophet would come along. Jeremiah, Isaiah, Malachi, he would come along, turn back to the Lord. Oh, ye people of God, turn to the Lord. If you'll turn to the Lord, the Lord will bless you. Turn to the Lord and he will turn back to you. And so to the right, 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 to the right. Okay, but remember, God's like this, right? God like this, and then they go ahead and reach out like this, like, like God, please, Lord. You ever prayed one of those prayers? Please, God, I believe that, Lord, please. And he's like this, and he's like this, and God could not help himself. 
So he would like hear the cry of his people. Oh, come on, you're quitting on me. Uh, he would hear the cry, and he would come back, and he would turn back to the people. And then, and then again, blessing would come, and goodness would come, and, and life would come, and strength would come, and they would overcome their enemies. They would protect their lands, and the crops would do good. And then pretty soon, to the right, to the right. Could be five years, 50 years, 100 years, to the right, to the right. And it would all repeat itself. God's like, oh, yeah. and then a prophet like Jeremiah, he would come turn back to the Lord, people of God. To the right, to the right, to the right. To... God can't help himself. God turns back around, and we're at it again. I love you, and you love me, and all is well. This happened over and over and over and over again. In fact, if you know the book of Malachi, and Pastor mentioned the tithing blessing a while ago, Malachi is one of those prophets, and, and the words he used was, return to me, says the Lord. Honor me with the first fruit of all your increase. So all that stuff you've neglected in honoring me and thinking about me and trusting in me, turn back, he would say. So that was what happened over and over and over again, over hundreds of years. And then one day, God said, you know what, I'm finished with this. And he could have permanently set himself up like this and turned away from humanity. But instead, God made one final turn. You might know it like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting, ongoing, never-ending goodness, favor, blessing. God made a final turn. And that, that's what Jesus was announcing. He said, I came to declare. You might know it as the Old Testament versus the New Testament. The Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. Jesus was announcing that day, I came to proclaim a new era in time. I came to proclaim a new season of unmerited, unearned, undeserved goodness upon humanity. And basically what happened on that day is he made that final turn. And he said this by making a final turn. He said, you know what? You're going to do what you're going to do. You're going to choose what you're going to choose. You're going to go where you want to go. You're going to think what you want to think. You're going to turn other ways. You're going to get distracted with other things in life. But anytime you get ready and, and you turn back toward me, I've made a decision that I will never turn away again. And God fixed himself in a permanent, oh come on, somebody ought to get excited about that. God fixed himself in a permanent position of unbelievable, over the top, undeserved, extravagant goodness and favor. Favor doesn't come as something that we deserve. It's not about who we are. It's about whose we are. Yeah. 
It's not about our earning something or our being good. And this works all against human nature. I mean, from the time we come into the world, we start thinking in terms of earning. We are taught to earn your allowance. We're taught in school, earn your promotion. You do well at sixth grade, you can go to seventh. We go and we take a driver's test, right? And you do good, you do good, and then you get your driver's license. So it's really hard for us as humans to, to, to work ourselves out of that idea that our, our blessings from God, the goodness of God, comes by way of merit or comes by way of earning. And, and, and it's difficult for us to get the idea or, or to really understand or to really accept the idea that, that God actually is for us no matter our circumstance or conditions in life. He's actually already made this decision, and he's already said about us, you're good. I bless you. The Bible says in Psalms 30 and verse 5, it says this about God. It says his anger lasts for a moment, but his favor lasts how long? His favor lasts for a lifetime. Now, most people see it just the opposite. Most people think of God, and they think, you know, that really God's an angry God. He's upset, and he has a right to be upset, and the way people have treated him and humanity has overlooked him, and, you know, and all the stuff over generations of time, and God's not really a happy God, you know, with all of what's happened in the world and all the stuff and all the sin and all the turning away from God and his ways. Most people think like that about God, that God is pretty much typically in an angry state of mind, okay? And it's got God's sort of like, and every once in a while, most people think every once in a while, he'll throw you a few crumbs of favor, especially if you're begging for it and living good enough, you know, then you'll get a few crumbs of God's favor. But that's not what the writer says. The writer says just the opposite. See, God does get frustrated. God does get angry with humanity, And when people turn away from him, of course, God is angry with that. But you know what? He gets over it really, really quick. His anger lasts but for how long? A a moment. But his favor, it goes on and on, day after day, mess up after mess up, bad choice after bad choice. His favor, it lasts a lifetime. I want to help you expand your understanding of this over-the-top goodness of God. And and there is no quota. It's not like, hey, you got yours. (laughs) And, 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 you know, a lot of people actually that think like that, really, they're like, you know, no, 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 pastor, you're talking about the favor of God. I've already been blessed. Come on, we're talking about God. We're talking about extravagant, over-the-top, ongoing favor with your name on it. Like, don't leave it on the table. Like, every single day, every single week of your life, God has new favor. I'm glad you got blessed yesterday, but guess what? God's got more blessing. I said, God's got more blessing. I said, God's got more blessing in your life and in your future. Two things I want for you today 
I want to encourage you to start looking for the good that's present in your life. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. So there's a distinction between those two things. We look for God in the perfect, but can I tell you that God is not just in the perfect, God is in the imperfect good. Like, have you looked in a mirror lately? That's what I call imperfect good. Your children are imperfect good. And I want to encourage you to start looking for God and looking for good, looking for good and when you see good, acknowledging and understanding that that comes from our Heavenly Father. That, that, that somehow if you connect the dots back, that everything that is good has its origin in God. And the tendency is if we don't look for it, we won't see it. You know, my wife sets out, she sets out uh, bags of garbage that need to go out to the garage, to the trash can. She sets it out. And, and she sets it out right in the middle of where she knows I'll be walking out the door. And I have many times, I've just walked around it, moved it out of the way, <laughs> opened the door, like, and trying to convince her later, like, I really didn't see it. I promise you. And then, you know, I go into the whole deal about the male species and how there's disconnected fibers from the right to the left brain. I do, I, you know, I plead with her, and to this day she doesn't believe me. But it's very true, isn't it? There's things in all of our life that we really, they're right in front of us that we don't see. One day my, my dad and mom were shopping, and it was when I was really, really young, and they're shopping in a, in a big mall. And, and my dad, they came back together. They were separated. They came back together. And my, my dad's like, he looks at her, and he's like, Barbara, where, where's Kevin? And I was just a little guy. Where's Kevin? And my mom just starts laughing. And he's like, this isn't funny. Where is Kevin? And when she gathered herself, she started pointing. He was holding me the whole time. I'm like right there, asleep on his shoulder. I'm just telling you guys, there's stuff that's right there in your life that you're not noticing right now, that comes straight from God. And I, I just want to invite you, I want to encourage you, and I call it, you know, that's why the glasses are on the front of the book, um, because I'm, I'm inviting you to start seeing your life through the lens of God's favor. I don't see as well with my glasses off as I do when I put them on. I see more, I see further. And that's what happens when you start actually looking for the good in your life, you'll start seeing more good. You'll start noticing more good. And then the second thing I wanna ask you to do is when, when you see it, how about you do what Jesus said he came to do and proclaim it. Like start proclaiming alongside Jesus that I am living in the year of the Lord's favor. I'm so thankful that this is a time where God's blessings come. I don't have to qualify for it. There is no quota on it. God is so good to me each and every day. And you know what, guys? There's a lot of tough stuff and hardship going on in life today. And in the book, I talk about all that. We're not in denial about that. But I want you to understand something. That, that hardship in life doesn't cancel out the goodness of God. 
We live in a world where they coexist side by side. And so many people see the hardship and they dwell on the hardship and they get wrapped up in the hardship and they wanna talk about the hardship. And, and the minute you start talking about the good, you've got friends like, I know nobody that comes to Springs actually is this way, but you have relatives and you have friends who will, they will try to change the conversation and yeah, but, and they wanna talk about the, the, the negative and, and, and the bad, and they wanna point out what's wrong with the world today. And, and I wanna encourage you and remind you that we are all recipients of God's goodness and God's favor. And our world right now, Canada doesn't need any more people seeing and talking about the negative and pointing out the darkness. You know what Canada needs? Canada needs more people who are seeing the light and they're pointing at the light and they're talking about the goodness. Come on, they're talking about the favor. They're talking about the blessing of God. And, and I actually say, call every little thing a, a blessing. Like, some people think this is silly and trivializing things, but this is my view, okay? I'm gone, I'm out of town, and your pastor can straighten everything out when I'm gone. But my view is thank him for every little thing that is good. He called it the coincidental good yeah. earlier. Like, thank him for it. So if you're shopping and you pull up and there's a parking place that's close at Christmas time to the door, like, go ahead, say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Now, some people are like, oh, you know, that's just coincidental stuff. And, and then somebody else will say, well, and what happens if there is no parking space? Well, then park at the back of the parking lot, get out of your car, and on your way to the door, just say, thank you, Jesus. I got good legs. I am healthy. I can walk from the back of the parking lot. Come on, all the way to the front. Because we are blessed to live in a time of endless, ongoing goodness and favor coming into our lives each and every day. Am I helping anybody? Come on, am I helping anybody? Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Kevin Gerald. Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.